Good morning, Ah. Uh... Oh, Aharon isn't here yet. What's this note on her desk? Disclaimer. The Dub Talk podcast uses strong language that might not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What is this? Has Aharon fallen in with a bad crowd? Is she trying to improve her speaking ability by using strong language? Surely she knows this is the wrong way to go about things. First comes dropping F-bombs, and then comes dropping out of school. What else does it say? This podcast may contain spoilers for Aharen San Wahakarinai and any other anime. Please use caution in case there's a series you haven't finished yet. This must be some kind of initiation test to join this group. What an impossible undertaking. They expect her to watch every anime under the sun? My own watch list is a mile long. But if anyone can do it, it's Aharen. And finally, the opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. This is some kind of waiver. This nefarious group of ne'er-do-wells will lead Aharon into a life of crime and then absolve themselves of all guilt. I have to stop her before it's too late. Oh, good morning, Aharon. You're looking for a note? Yeah, I saw that. It was on your desk. Oh, it was for a podcast. Oh, hello there. And welcome to the Dub Talk Podcast, where we talk about the latest and greatest in anime and English dubs. Today, me and my friends are here to try and fix our image and live a normal, quiet podcast life. So we're just going to have a calm, rational discussion without exaggerating any details or jumping to any absurd conclusions. Wait a second. What if this isn't a rational podcast discussion between friends? What if it's actually a verbal fight club so that all of us can do battle with facts and logic and only one of us can come out alive? Only one of us can be crowned the true super fan of the spring 2020 comedy anime series Aharon Saw What Hakarin 9 and go into details about its English dub. Or it's just a regular episode of Dub Talk. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Anyways, my name is Andrew, and joining me for tonight's uh, discussion are Aman. What? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking to you. You, you oh, hear me? Uh, 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 sorry, I was distracted. I I, uh, I was thinking about something I saw earlier. That was uh, I had a I had a I thought I knew what it was about, but I was incorrect. Hmm. Uh, in retrospect, it was a little silly to think that the snowmen were taking over. I see. Jackson? Well, if you're a dumbass, and I'm a dumbass, and he's a dumbass, then who's driving? Well, I have an idea who, and we basically called on a uh, designated driver for tonight. And that's our special guest and good old friend of ours, uh, Josh, a.k.a. Crimson Echidna. Well, hello there. I'm here to be your very esteemed driver for the evening. Uh, sir, you seem to be uh, bleeding profusely out of the mouth and nose. Are you? Are you? Are you gonna be okay like that? I just really want these two kids to kiss because they're so esteemed. <laughs> so, Josh, 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 we're going off the we're going off the road. We're derailing already. The esteem stays within the body. <laughs> oh, hello, ditch by the side of the road. I've missed you. <laughs> That's what they all say. Anyways, as you can probably tell from this very uh, 
silly, whimsical introduction, we are going to be talking about a little show that has wormed its way into our hearts that I'm very excited to talk about. A little show called Aharin-san Wahakarinai, because this show is too good to be anything but Romanji. I'm not... What does that actually translate to? Uh, it's like a couple, uh, you, you explained it. You probably know better than it's a, it's a couple different translations that I found. Like, the direct one I've seen is Aharin is inde- indecipherable or unfathomable. Basically, it's like can't be understood would be the direct translation. Uh, if I was like trying to localize it all, I'd be like, Aharin is hard to read or something like that. It's basically a big fancy word in English, and then they decided, oh, otaku don't understand words with more than five syllables. Uh, we can't have that. It makes for good SEO, and that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Sure, it shouldn't have been like Nakama and just like leave it untranslated. I still remember when uh, Takagi-san was originally brought over as Karakai Jozu no Takagi-san, all capital letters. <laughs> just just, just copy-pasted yeah. it from the copyright information on the webpage, eh? I'm really glad they did eventually localize that, because that one was particularly like, what What are you doing, man? Ugh, can you imagine living in the world where just, like, those kind of weebs won and everything's untranslated? <laughs> Spare me. I I still remember the story about uh, Patrick telling us about his buddy who was recommending him this little unknown show called Kurotsuji. And then he's like, wait a fucking second. I'm already watching this. This is just fucking Black Butler. I get that it's a pun in Japanese. Now get out of here, you weep, before I get the spray bottle. <laughs> All right. So, just to give a little synopsis about the show we're talking about tonight. Uh, socially awkward Aharin-san has personal boundary issues, either getting too close or too far from her classmates. When fellow student Raido picks up an eraser she drops, Aharin-san decides they're now best friends. Whether studying, playing the arcade, or just eating lunch, she's along for the ride. What follows is an impromptu bonding that shows affection can blossom in the unlikeliest of places. Uh, that was taken off of the Crunchyroll show description page. It is interesting to me that that is written from Aharon's perspective. I think that's the thing that's interesting about the show. And just before we get a little into this... What were your first impressions of the show going into it? Or what did you think the show was going to be before going into it? I guess I can go in and hop in because this is going to be the Josh Eats Crow moment. Because when I originally watched the first episode, uh, when it first aired, I did not like the show. Because I thought it was going to be a show basically where Rido has to play kind of like babysitter to Aharin. And I thought she was going to be kind of infantilized. But the more I watched it, I'm like, oh, wait, this is really charming. And they have really good dynamics with each other. I wanted to bring that up because I actually think that was a valid concern going into this. Because they did make her very small, moe, little... little, They they basically made her the very small, little... Moe blob. I was go- uh, you know what, Moe Blob is better than the term I was going to use. I was going to pull out the Loli card, and I really don't like pulling out that card in conversation. Don't 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 do it. Moe Blob's right there. It's less. It's more dignified somehow. 
<laughs> it somehow is more dignified to say Moe Blob than it is Lolly, indeed, isn't it? But how, how times have changed. I know, right? Uh, but yeah, um, I, I, I think that's just there, is that the, she is actually a much more weird and fun character than I was expecting, who also is pretty competent in her own ways. But I think the thing that makes the show work is that it's not just the straight man, weird, quirky girl. It's the quirky girl and her even weirder, quirkier, quirkier boy toy friend. The, the first note I have on this show is, oh, they're both idiots. <laughs> that is just the tone for tonight's episode. So let's just run with the phrase, oh, they're both idiots. And I'd like to introduce to you the entirety of the ADR directing staff and crew, as well as all of the players for tonight's show. Uh, starting us off, our ADR, our main ADR director is one Emily Fajardo, and is assisted by Mark Allen Jr., Danny Chambers, and Nazi Tarsha. And is writ- the show is written by Madeline Morris. Emily has directed such projects like Remain, Sasuke and Miyano, Shikamori's Not Just a Cutie, and Smile of Ars Notoria, the animation. Mark has assisted on dubs like Sasuke and Miyano, Shikamori's Not Just a Cutie, and Smile of Ars Notoria, a bunch of projects he's assisted alongside Emily. Danny Chambers has directed on projects such as Akepi's School Uniform, Girls Frontline, and She Professed Herself Pupil of the Wise Man, and Nazi Tarsha, who has directed on things like Hortensia Saga, a show that every time I look at it, I kind of... I don't know what that show looks like. Every time I look at a poster of it, I feel like I forget what it looks like. Anyways, he, he slides off the brain. Kind of made that one up. It's one of those, yes. It's Andrew's imaginary friend, his uh, Moby Dick. It's probably not a bad show, but it's just like I I forget about it every time I look at it. Hortensia Saga, Sachibato, President, It's Time to Battle, and Uzaki Chan wants to hang out, and Madeline Morris, who has written for such dubs as Remain, Nekopara. My dress-up darling and girlfriend, girlfriend. So, starting off with the ensemble of the cast. Let's start off with the family members. Uh, Rido's sister, just named Rido's sister, never got an actual official name of her own, is Jalitza Delgado, who has played characters like Shuri in Kuma 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 Bear, Young Kosume in Opera Ranmon, Marla in Megalobox 2 Nomad, and Remy Ayasaka in Horimiya. Uh, Aharin's siblings, Ren and Eru. Ren is played by Brittany Karbowski, who has played Eddie in Angels of Death, Claire Aoki in Gleepnir, Nanachi in Maiden Abyss, and Rimaru Tempus from that time I got reincarnated as a slime. Uh, Eru is played by Natalie Rose, who has played characters such as Tomoyo Daidoji in Cardcaptor Sakura Clear Card, Lily in Recovery of an MMO Junkie, Vanilla in Nekopara, and Sonia Nevermind in Danganronpa 3 The Despair Arc. And then we've got the little uh, 
little rug troublesome rug rats from around the neighborhood too good kids dumb kids they'll grow up eventually um atsushi who is played by Bryn april who has played characters such as chocola in nekopara ai mizuno in zombieland saga scion in show by rock and yotsuba nakano in the quintessential quintuppets futaba his uh childhood baka crush girl is Jill Harris, who has played Nino Nakano in The Quintessential Quintuplets, Rika Takarada in SSSS Gridman, Mayaka Ibura in Hyoka, and Noelle Silva in Black Clover. Then we move on to these bitches gay. Good for them. Good for them. I mean the teachers. Sorry. Slip of the tongue. Uh, Miss Miyahara and Miss Toboru. Miyahara is played by Tia Ballard, who has played Shuna in That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime, Kagura Soma in Fruits Basket, Rasuna Sumita in Kakashi Goto, and Kasumi in Bofuri. Uh, Miss Toboru is Caitlin Barr, who has played Ami Kake in Kakushi Goto, Melda Dietz in Star Blazers 2199, Nika Haneda in Dr. Stone, and Ryukyu in My Hero Academia. I'm going to take a quick swig of water. Hang on. Okay, it doesn't take me that long to quench my thirst, man. All right. Oh, you're a quick shot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry, Steph. This feels the podcast host. <laughs> God. Oh. oh, fuck you. Love you, too. Uh, now we're on to classmate friends in the form of Sato, Ishikawa, and Oshiro. Uh, Sato is played by one Veronica Locks, who's making her podcast debut, I believe, actually. This is, I believe, the first time we're talking about Veronica in the podcast. She is one other named character at the time of this recording, and that's Verda L. Hazard in The Greatest Demon Lord is Reborn as a Typical Nobody. Ishikawa is Kevin Thuwell, who has played Kakaru Keshi in Kakashi Goto, both Oliver and Ali in Shadow's House, Poseidon in Sleepy Princess in the Demon's Castle, and Mio in Megalobox 2 Nomad. And then there's Oshiro. Bless her, bless her heart. Baby girl doing her best, but is very bad at what she does, but she does her best. Uh, Kristen McGuire, who has played characters such as Ruri in Dr. Stone, Senko in The Helpful Fox Senko-san, Yume Minami in SSSS Dinazenon, and Malim Nava in That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime. And then we got Dumb and Dumber. Love them, bless them, these two idiots have won my heart. Uh, playing the role of idiot number one, Raido Matsuboshi is Ben Balmacita, who has played characters like Pedro in One Piece, Neku in The World Ends With You, the animation, Yui in Komodo Jihen, and Ben and Benjamin in Shadow's House. Uh, Reina Aharin, our titular character, is Danny Chambers, who has played Yuka, Luca Oriflame in The Case Study of Vanitas, Funicia Raffaelli in Astra Lost in Space, Raiha Uisugi in The Quintessential Quintuplets, and Emilico in Shadow's House. So that's everybody we're going to be talking about on tonight's episode. 
So we're going to start off by going into what we thought about the directing and writing of this show in particular. The floor is open, gentlemen. Chime in whenever you feel. So unlike, I think unlike the three of you, I, in general tradition, I do not pay attention to seasonal announcements because I never know what anyone's talking about and I'm tired. And I have, like, That's... I have like eight different hobbies, which unfortunately means my brain does not have enough energy to follow seasonals. There's too much damn anime. So my introduction to the show was after the dub had started. And it probably was at the point that I feel like got the show a lot of fans, which is when the dubbed version of, I believe, episode four started going around. The one with the rapping. Yeah, that now, would do it. Now, I, I, I just want to I want to give credit. Those are very funny, and I also want to give a lot of credit to Ben and Danny, as well as, you know, Madeline, Emily, and all the directors. That's really good bad rapping. It's really good bad rapping, and that's hard to do. I think the way I specifically describe that rapping is it's not just bad, it's dare assembly bad. It, 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 is, it is that, it's, it's that distinctly amateurish level that i don't think really exists anymore because rap is too has been too mainstream for too long it's very like this is a white person in the 80s trying to be funny and and not quite getting this is yeah is this on par with rap and rodney yeah yeah it is borders on cliche <laughs> I, I i i'm trying to remember if they actually do the like i'm bloody blah and i'm here to say that i'm bloody blah yes they do yes they do literally the the gold standard for crappy like low-grade rapping like it's beautiful in a major way exactly word so that i know what entrees i'd like to eat i want bok choy bok choy, something like that which also gonna give a quick shout out to Corey Petit as Rido's mom, who I'd love to talk about. She has exactly one line, and it's just her replying to Rido rapping and saying the phrase word, which is perfect. 100%. No notes. Shows up to her son rapping, says word, doesn't elaborate, leaves. <laughs> it's perfect. I... I think the thing, the, the true highlight of me is, I think a lot of this cast is directed exceptionally well in very funny, charming, endearingly dorky ways. I like comedy, but I feel like I've grown out of comedies that are particularly, like, mean-spirited in a way. And this is a shockingly not mean-spirited show at all. There's Which is, very mm. little conflict to speak of for that. Uh, like, two characters have insecurities about their size. That comes up once each, and then never again. It's ne And, yeah, basically never played for laughs. Like, putting this in a show with... Putting this, like, next to any... Something like a Konosuba or any of the other shows that same author has written, it is like a night and day level of uh, comedy difference in that this is a... It feels good to watch these characters be dorks with each other, but it also feels like nobody is judging anybody for them being like weirdo dorks. And the show kind of knows you're not laughing at them, you're you're laughing with them, which I think really shows in a lot of the performances and the very quirky, 
fun deliveries off of a lot of these characters. To me, Maddie steals the show in this regard. Holy shit. She wrote some absolute bangers into this show. As far as, like, funny, quirky, one-off lines. I have to give her props in particular for the basketball scene. For managing to work Kobe, boom shakalaka, Kobe also, and welcome to the jam. All in the course of like a two minute basketball gag? <laughs> it's fucking worked. There was also a whoop whoop. Whoop whoop, I forgot it was whoop whoop. <laughs> There's just so many fun little lines and deliveries that just absolutely kill me, crack me up, and are just, just funny. Most of them also don't even seem that out of place. Like, this is just a show of a bunch of weirdos saying weird things. And the script absolutely accentuates this. Elaborates, builds on this, just elevates it to a next level. The direction is really strong, but to me, the the work Maddie put on this show was just... It just stole my heart. Yeah, to piggyback off of what you were saying about the direction and making comparisons with other comedies, um, one other show that really stood out to me is Cautious Hero because that is a show where the lead also oh, yeah, very dry wit. And when it came time to dub it, the dub for that punched up a lot of the comedy, but in doing so, they made Seiya quite a bit more meaner in the dub than he was like in the original language. And I feel like you know what that that that's fair, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like that could have been a really easy trap to fall into with Rido, since he a lot of like the humor in the show is like his observational comedy, and because he speaks in such a dry deadpan deadpan tone. It could have been really easier to make him way more sarcastic in the dub, but a lot of his lines are really sincerely written, and it kind of stays to the original tone of the sub while still punching up the comedy. And um, it, I, I didn't even think of that, where it's just like, it could have been really easy to make Rido way snarkier and meaner. And I appreciate that they don't. Because I love that boy. I love that boy dearly. I, I, I Sorry, sorry. finish. No, I wasn't going anywhere. I was just gushing about how much I love my precious baby boy. Please continue with something more uh, uh, articulate. I think about the fact that this might be the only piece of media outside of an actual Lassie movie where I've heard someone use, what's that girl, Timmy fell down the well that was not used in an ironic or sarcastic manner. <laughs> Right, right. You're right. allowed to use that once, yeah. and, they use, and they use that one once like, very well. Like immense credit to Ben. It does not feel like Rido is trying to make fun fun of anybody. His brain is just weird, and that's what fell out at the time. He is just a very weird character in a very weird show, and every everything about the production team behind this 
absolutely embraces how charming and weird this all is. And they crank it up to an even weirder dial. Josh, I remember when we were doing discussions about this, you were saying it felt like in Japanese, Raido was at an 11 and the dub cranked him up to a 12. Would you like to elaborate on that? Yes, because there are some scenes where they just kind of push the absurd things he says just a little bit further in the dub while it doesn't feel like they're portraying it or like inserting like really out of place references because by far my the funniest line for me is episode six where in the opening Aharon is going to the lunch line to get food because you forgot to pack lunch that day and Rydal's like all right cool see you later but then as he's thinking about it he's like that's a den of brutality the place is a hive a, a hive of scum and villainy yes hive of scum and villainy and it just caught me off guard because that's a Star Wars reference. <laughs> Not I. I didn't even realize it was a Star Wars reference until you pointed it out to me. Like it, it felt like a familiar line, but I wasn't like, "Oh, this is very overt Star War- Star Wars." It's like, no, I, I just, I just would buy. Rido would say yeah. something like that, and. The other one that uh, me and Jackson was joking about later in the series where Aharon builds an igloo. <laughs> <laughs> and Rhino thinks it's some type of global warming or some type of pandemic. Yeah. As he's running away, he's like, it's, like an, it's an alien invasion. I gotta tell the papers. <laughs> <laughs> the, the best two seconds in an anime dub of this year. <laughs> Honestly, valid and stiff competition, yeah. but valid. I meant to go back and uh, make notes on some uh, memorable lines, but I didn't get time to do that. So, like, one even just from episode one was, it's a horrible sea creature. Oh, an Aharon. It's it's a lot of that kind of humor in this, of just, like, this internal, like, jump to conclusion, and then, oh, it's, it's, no, just this normal thing. Or, um... Rido recounting his many sins and realizing, I'm a horrible goblin. I appreciate the choice to use goblin instead of monster because, like, just something about that sounds way sillier. It's got it, good flavor to it. Good flavor is what I would say. Nice little zest. And there's another moment where Aharon is, like, frantically shaking her head and Rydal just goes, she needs holy water to cast the devil out. <laughs> <laughs> it's... It, they really are the perfect, like, pair as far as, like, a comedy duo and a couple that shouldn't work but actually does. Because, yeah, it could have been so easy just to make, oh, it could have been, like, Aharon was just this weird, quirky little girl who can't take care of herself. It's like, no, she's actually pretty good at things. She's good at cleaning. She's good at, like, cooking and all that stuff. She's really good at crane games and all that. And, like, things that she's, like, good at. She's also really bad at a couple of things. Anything she is bad at, Rhino is even worse. <laughs> if, if anything, Rhino is consistently worse at pretty much everything. Like ten- I think... I'm going to say, technically, the only thing he ever beats her at is basketball. And that's because he's, like, twice her size. <laughs> like, 
it's basic. It might as well be an NBA player playing basketball with Tyga from Toradora at that it point. Is, it is. It is surreal. Harlan Glo- Globetrotters, Washington Generals energy. Yeah, <laughs> but I like that he but, gets smug when he finally gets his. He's like, "Yeah, try to tie it up." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just a lot of absurd fantasies the the script and the direction on so many of these lines is absolutely killer i will reference it throughout the episode quite a lot whenever there's a lot of just good lines and just oh i adore what emily and her team were able to accomplish on making everybody in this show sound funny sound dorky and even sound charming and kind of adorable at times also just there's a couple of voice actors that I've grown pretty familiar with over the years playing some pretty unique variations of what I would consider their, like, general anime voice. And, like, there are very unique takes on some of those performances. And it's it's pretty interesting to see some of the direction. And you can even hear when some of them are kids. Like, they actively change it up slightly. And I appreciate that, and I respect that. I, I'm just going to gush more about this, but I think I would like to discuss some of the characters and their performances. All I can say is Emily, Maddie, and your team blew this one out of the water. Just absolute gus- gut busters and charming all around. Yeah. I'll, I'll mention uh, this here and so, uh, later to do with the characters, because uh, Aharon the way she's directed to act and speak is very softly. And like, I want to make special mention of this, of how they make that sound good and uh, like legible. And you're never struggling to hear uh, the voice and it's never like blowing out or peaking or anything like that. Like it's very soft, but not like in close to the mic, like this type of type of soft or whisper voice. It's just, just a very low decibel. It's not quite ASMR, but it is definitely like bedtime story. <laughs> bedtime yeah, so, magic. Yeah, so making that sound good uh, it was important, and they did that very well. Actually, just because I do have uh, this nice little card um, that uh, Emily made on her Twitter, I will shout out here the engineering team on this. Uh, Bob Romans, Noah Whitehead, Xavier Earl, James Baker, Ben Tarani, Jose Sandoval, Ricky Watkins, and Nicole Oranger. Y'all did a great job. Y'all did a great job. Yeah, this feels like one of the few dubs where I'd, I'd, I actually feel like I do want to praise it from, like, a production engineering standpoint, like I would a music album, like... Uh, for having a main character who talks that quietly and as this like consistently legible and good sounding is very impressive. I, mm. I have to agree. Yeah. Actually, I'll say this: while while Aharin does indeed talk very quietly, so does her sister. And yes, that's a brilliant segue I just made. Congratulations, me. So let's talk about the family, 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 family. It's about family. It's about the family. Also, just because there's no other place to put him, uh, Anthony Bowling is a good job doing dog noises. The beast that Rido's scared of. 
he's scared of just the big giant dog and that's a, and she can ride that dog it's, it's great uh so yes uh want to move on to uh ren eru and rhino's sister who is great but is not great enough to have her own own name so sad too bad but yeah um so i cannot believe that's goddamn natalie as eru yeah i thought that was sarah we didn't have I was thinking Megan, Sh like, I remember watching that episode when it first came out, I was like, who the hell is that? I think I was like, I can maybe, he maybe it's Megan Shipman? I feel like I've heard some of her lower range characters. It's like, no, Natalie? Holy shit. Absolutely could not recognize her one bit. That's pretty impressive. And also watching... Hmm? Uh, just on visuals, I had assumed that this character was uh, the teacher in a wig. <laughs> so, oh, that, that doesn't sound like Kate and Byer either. Okay. Now, nah, that would have been an interesting twist. Yeah, no, she. A fanfic writing to Kenning. Mm. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Crimson will not be invited back. <laughs> Welcome to our first and last Dub Top podcast. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Christ. Oh. Anyways, Natalie. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting watching this again. She actually kind of matches the same volume that Aharin talks in. Like, that same, like, low to the mic. Not ASMR, but at, like, bedtime story level. And makes it convincing and sometimes a little menacing. Because she is technically the assassin from the future. <laughs> Except not really. But she knows how to gut a fish. I like that she is like, I wanted to see what kind of a guy you were like. And you're actually a pretty good guy. So, you know what? My sister's happy with you. So, you treat her well. I'm supposed to be making my sister happy, damn it. Here, take all, take all the credit, damn it. Come on. Ah, oh, God. So yeah, um, Natalie is a ton of fun, but... Just a little harsher, just a little more, um... Uh... A little harsher, a little older, despite being the younger sister, because it, it'd be an anime where the smaller one is the older one, and the bigger one is the younger one. A little harsher, a little more pushy, a little, a little less communicating. Come on, just smash your hand. Put your lips together already. Come on. We all, yeah. we all see it. We all know it. Come on. <laughs> I feel like Eru is like the, um, the, the Sundere cheerleader. And then there's Ren, who is just like, oh, you two should, you should be my brother already. Which he does Which... start calling Rydell his brother. And he doesn't really mind. He's just like, okay. I, Okay. I think maybe my favorite gag in the show is the clone Aharin thing. <laughs> where she goes to the bathroom, he sees what looks like Aharin, and is like, oh no, she has amnesia! And then he's like, oh, okay, you know who I am. Oh no, now she's bad at video games! 
Wait a second. Her appetite is full. She has a bottomless appetite. I knew it. There's a clone army, and they're going to take over the world. Oh, hi, Ren. <laughs> Ren's emoting like a normal person. Something is deeply wrong here. And I love Brittany's just adorkable little, like, little boy voice here coming in full circle. And it's just, just a sweet little lad. Good little bean. And a shockingly more... I don't know put this. You ever feel like there's a lot of animes that like to have... Okay, I don't want to put this. I know where you ever, you're going with this, but, uh, you know. You know where I'm going with this. I'm just trying to formulate how to process this particular fr- turn of phrase. Oh, we'll speak briefly on the moment then, uh, while you're thinking. Because, uh, yeah, it, it is great that uh, Brittany's back. He's in a fairly uh, well-trod uh, voice of hers uh, for the for the young boy voice that uh, likes to wear skirts. Uh, so... Britney's voice does tend to tread that line of this. Uh, she can easily play both little boys and little girls, uh, and like that. I, it is a slight disconnect because you half expect her to start. Uh, you have expect this voice to start talking about genocide. It never comes <laughs> up. Jesus Christ! But you know, it, it's this isn't FMA. This isn't slime. But yeah. Um, so the thing I find shocking, genuinely so, was the devel- was the reveal that Ren just likes to wear his sister's clothes. And it's not judgmental. It's just this level of, like, he's very comfortable wearing girls' clothes because he thinks they're cute and look good and he likes wearing them and he even at one point asked reyna is it weird is it weird that i'm doing this that i'm like wearing your clothes and she just reyna just gives him a hug and tells him i don't mind at all and it's just it's this little weirdly supportive progressive nugget of just ren discovering themselves in a comfortable, loving, non-judgmental environment. And the show doesn't make a joke about it. Okay, okay, okay. Let me, let me... By joke, I mean, it is a funny, oh god, there are two Aharon gags, and not... Oh boy... Isn't it crazy that this little boy looks like a, a girl in girl's clothing? Ha ha! Funny! Oh boy, isn't that mischievous and debaucherous? Ooh! I, I, you, you know what I'm fucking talking about. Yeah. The gross people! Yeah. The, the gross people that are on all of your servers. You know those types. Who are sad that they I'm lost Bridget. God, stay fucking mad, you fucking dweebs. Stay mad. I think with all three of the siblings, actually, there was very easy potential to go for, like, the low, easy jokes. Because I know when um, Eru first shows up, 
the first thing Rydal notices is, oh, wait, she looks more mature than Aharin. And instead of the camera perving out on her body, he immediately, the joke instead goes with, oh, he must, she must be Aharin from the future coming back as an assassin. And I feel like a kill, we make a Kill Bill joke instead yeah. of <laughs> it, it wouldn't be their first or last movie reference. I think there was a... God, what was the movie called? Um, when they're doing the uh, zombie arcade thing where they're dressed up like... Uh, I want to say the Transporter, but I don't know if that's the correct name. I think that's it. Are they wearing suits? Uh, it's specifically there is a little girl... With a flower pot? Oh, uh, Leon the Professional, that's what you're thinking of. Oh. The, pro- the Professional, thank you. And I was like, wow, that's a deep cut for a reference. But I respect that. That movie's probably older than half the people watching this anime. Ah, <laughs> uh, probably. And yeah, with um, Ren, the fact that he likes to wear girls' clothes, that could have been a joke where they make the type of jokes that a lot of weebs like to make, but instead, when Aharin learns that, she just hugs him because it's like, whatever makes you happy makes me happy. And with Rydal's and- little sister, she could have been a brocon, but no, she's she's just like going through her rebellious phase and she gets annoyed by her brother, but she still loves her brother. So I feel like that is definitely something I remember uh, Maddie was talking about, where it's like, I wrote Rido's sister like I write my, well, I imagine just my siblings, me interacting with my siblings or my, me or my br- siblings interacting with me, where it's like, I wrote them like that. And I feel like there's that right level of like, bratty punch, where it's like, oh, yeah, that's I've done that or had that said to me by my own sister. Lots of disdain and uh, name calling on it, her end. It, it's like there's that level of ooh the barn down, the barn door is down, you freak. I think specifically it's like when he's like, "Hey, can you help me with something?" Sure, it's not like I have anything better to do. I think my favorite line Which... from her was a "Yay, you're alive." <laughs> Oh, cool! You're alive, and I think she—I—I I love how she call, she calls him a freak one time, and then he like falls to the floor in despair, and then she's kind of like, "Oh, oh, dude, I—I uh, I didn't think you were gonna take it that hard." And then the next day, she starts freestyling too because she thinks that can help cheer him up. <laughs> <laughs> it's got that right level of bratty sibling that cares a lot. I, I love Jalitza's delivery just of a lot of those lines where it's just that very nice little edgy twinge to it where it's just like, go away, freak. <laughs> yes, I, I also... I was just also, say, fun little... Oh, you can go ahead. Uh, so, I was just gonna say, fun little Easter egg is that the manga she's reading and that uh, ma- the manga Raido's reading at some point was the original mangaka's series prior to Aharin-san? Makes sense. I need to look up what it's called, but y'all remember y'all remember a little company called Pony Canyon USA? Barely. Is it time for a new Pony Canyon rant? This is not actually a Pony Canyon rant, but it's just when Pony Canyon USA got started, they licensed exactly two series when they started. One was sub only, and the other got an English dub, one of their only English dubs. The one that got the dub was Yuki Yuna Season 1, 
And the other show that was this author's original series is a show called Denki Guy. Hmm. I'm just going to show you what the show looks like, and you might be like, oh, I kind of vaguely recognize that. And then we could vaguely recognize the uh, the cover. Yeah, I, that you're exactly right. I do vaguely recognize this. Yeah. Okay. It sure is. A but yeah, that, I probably looked at it at some point. I also saying. probably looked at it. That is a show. I I don't know if it was a bad show. It might have been a decent one, but it's not worth. Hey, hey. Okay, cool. The website has prices. $72 for four episodes. What is up, old... Yeah, there are three sets of Denki Guy, and that is four episodes per set, and on Right Stuff, you can buy each individual set for $72. Yeah, you damn How's Zoomers that? don't know what our pain was back in the day of having to get anime. So if you would like to own the author's original anime series on DVD and Blu-ray in the United States, you can buy it for the cool price of a refurbished Nintendo Switch. The true Japanese anime fan experience paying through the nose for home media because it's seen as a collector's good. (laughs) Are you shocked that Pony Canyon stopped doing anime releases here? I, I think I'm more surprised they thought this would work. Was this before or after Aniplex of America? This was after, because Aniplex of America was the one that originated it and made it work. Pony Canyon, my my guys, Aniplex has an advantage. They have Aniplex shows. What do you have? If they had started, like, maybe two years before they started, they could have gotten, like, Attack on Titan and actually had something. Alternate realities. Where the fuck was I going with this? Okay, I'm done with the Pony Canyon rant. I said I wouldn't, but... I had to put them on blast a little bit because it's kind of fascinating to think what was and what could have been. But yeah, um, I love the Jalitza's like edgy bratty sister angle, but it's still got the right level of warmth to it that makes it where it's like, oh, you do love your brother. You're just kind of the bratty middle school age sister that's going to make fun of your brother. And I think a lot of Maddie's writing absolutely elevates uh, the sister in particular. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Uh, One of the points I wanted to make coming into this is that writer's little sister is probably one of the most realistic siblings I've seen in any of these type of anime rom-coms. Because she's both bratty, but she does ultimately care about her older brother. Um, I think I mentioned it that there is kind of this, I guess, cliche in a lot of these Japanese media where someone who's in middle school is going through the rebellious phase where they don't want to be affectionate with their family members, but they still obviously care about them. And both Rital Sister and Iru kind of shows that on two separate sides. And I think Jalitza in particular does, I think she does a really good job of sounding like a young kid in that frame because, again, it reminds me of my own sister's. And the type of shit we would give each other, even now, as adults. <laughs> it, it really does have that right level of like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I talk shit to my siblings like this, too. And yeah, with um, and... Brittany Karthowski as Rin, um, 
I don't know. I've always liked Brittany Karbaski's voice acting, and I think Ren's like just a little. That feels like the understatement. That kind of feels like the understatement of a century. I think Brittany Karbaski's a good voice actress. She is pretty good. I think she has a good future ahead of her. How do you like your water? Do you enjoy it wet? (laughs) But yeah, Ren's a fun character, and like I just cannot stress enough that I like that the resolution. Or, you know, the revelation of him dressing up in girls' clothing that the punchline was Aharin just giving him a hug because that was just, like, such a pitch-perfect way to end that episode. It feels like the perfect encapsulation of this is not a show that is actually trying to belittle any of these characters. They are just charming characters and the show treats them well. And it's like, I... It feels kind of lazy to say, I could imagine what this show would look like in the hands of a worse writer. But I've seen Aharon-san in the hands of a worse writer several times before. And it's exactly as predictable and anime bullshitty as you think it is. Eru would have ended up with a crush on Rydal too. God, I, I, I think something this- God, you're so right. Oh, I didn't even think of that. You're so right. I think something the show benefits from is uh, the way its comedy works is, like, there's no one's really the butt of the joke. The closest we get is Raido thinks something ridiculous and is then proven wrong. Yeah. But he's never, like, embarrassed about it. It's just, like, oh. to, to, to use an example, one of my favorite bits is when he is out shopping with Ren and Ren realizes he doesn't have his wallet and he immediately leaps to concern that Ren is about to get involved in the dangerous world of revolving credit. <laughs> uh, and when it's like, oh, I just, I'll just have to use my personal money instead of the stopping money, he's just like, oh, and just sort of drops it and moves on. Like, there, there's definitely a show where, like, a lot of it is, like, Rido feeling really embarrassed that he thought something so silly, but his attitude is very like, oh, that makes way more sense. Okay. If I said this out loud, I definitely would be embarrassed, but I'm glad I kept that to myself. Exactly. I, I, I feel like this is a show, yeah, this, I feel like the show, the show, the show enjoys the absurdity of everyone being a little silly, not, not making fun of them for being silly. I, to, to use the comparison of like, something like Kanasuba, Kanasuba Mm -hmm. is, look at these nerds, in a derogatory sense. This is, look at these nerds in an affectionate sense. Look at these nerds derogatory look at these nerds endearing exactly it's all about what's in the parentheses and consequently i think i think a, a side effect of that is like uh, no the, the small cross-dressing boy just does that and that's fine and the the slightly menacing sister just wants to make sure that her her sister's maybe boyfriend is a decent dude and Rido's sister like does care about her boyfriend but she also finds it a little annoying because siblings are supposed to find each other a little annoying it's how it works yeah. Is all good. Is all good. You know what this show also does pretty well, too? Segways? <laughs> yes, the show does segways pretty good, too. Thank hey. you. Uh, no, the sh- sh- show does a good job portraying what I feel like actual bratty kids would act like. And that's it in Atsushi and Futaba. Which, I kind of forgot Bryn could do, like, a good like little boy voice and she does a really good bratty little boy voice he's like oh yeah yeah you're the king you're so cool you showed us how to do that uh 
how to do that that spinning trick with your uh, fidget spinner. And like, that was so cool. Okay, hang on. I just realized something. We need to stop this episode for a second and talk about the fact that never have I ever seen so perfectly encapsulated the timeline of when a manga was written, <laughs> like Aharen-san. Where just early on, there is just a big chapter about a fidget spinner and like Aharen getting hooked on the fidget spinner. And it's like, oh, yeah, this was written around 2017, 2018 when it started, didn't it? And you know what? It's funnier that it's a dated meme. Yep. The it, older the meme is, the more vintage, the funnier the joke gets. Yeah, because it makes app. it more absurd that they get so obsessed with fidget spinners now. It's just kind of funny. Like, like it's it's not even like that much of a reference to it being a big fad. It's just like, I don't get it. And then she gets really into it and loses sleep. And then she, he starts having fantasies about uh, her in a wedding dress with the fidget spinner. You know something I re- I didn't realize on the rewatch of this how many times all of Rido's absurd fantasies involved him in Reina's life <laughs> and her in his life. He just kind of oh, didn't even realize how many times he's like, oh, I'm just imagining this absurd fantasy where I'm in space with Aharin or... We're going to the Ping Pong Nationals with Aharin. Or I'm just going to have to carry her on my back forever for the rest of my life until we're old and growing mustaches together. Aharin and it's like, is great. She has limitless potential. She can do whatever she wants. I will support her 100%. And whatever and she I, wants to do, I will devote my life to her. Sounds huh. like you guys are just calling him the ultimate wife guy. Huh. I'm sure you know, true. I mean, <laughs> Josh, Josh, I think you're on to something, man. I mean, there's, there's a real, there's a real, look at my wife. She's great. <laughs> Quality to a lot of what he does. God, yeah, you're right. Oh, God. Yeah, anyways, Rido's great, but we need to talk about these little kids. I love Bryn as Atashi as this little, like, bratty kid who's just trying to, like, be cool in front of his friends while he's getting embarrassed by Futaba always trying to like baby him and look after him. It's like, I can take care of myself. Who cares? And it's like, she's just really trying to take care of him because she's like got a crush on him. And it's very cute. And I just kind of forgot Bryn could do this voice. Um, I'm trying to think. I think my favorite moment with Atashi in particular was the blade spinner tournament. <laughs> I posted the clip in the Discord. <laughs> Where it's like, hey, you're with King Haha. Ha. I'm her number one servant. Here's how we're gonna settle this. Blade Spinner. We're gonna start off in the first round, and we're gonna make it all the way to the finals and challenge each other's then. See you in the finals. And he's like, see you in the finals, kiddo. And then they're just like, huh. I didn't think we would both lose in the first round. <laughs> I really do love their absurdly over-designed uh, blades. <laughs> so good! <laughs> like, uh, Rido's got one that's, like, heaven-themed. Like, it looks like a final boss in a JRPG. 
it, it's it's a biblically accurate angel Beyblade. I'll be honest, I think my favorite joke about that bit is at the beginning we're clearly supposed to think that Raido has misconstrued this date as something else, and it turns out, no, actually, she was going to the Beyblade tournament. He's yeah. completely correct. <laughs> it's definitely like, oh, that was... He's just going off again on this random, wild imagination, and this is the one time where the synchronicity... He was right. Wait, it happens twice. Cool. It happens twice. It does, it does happen twice, but this was the first one I was like, oh, where it's like, Oh, I must be over-imagining it. It's like, oh yeah, I stayed up all night trying to imagine which spinner I was going to use. And then Rhino just says, you know, somehow I knew that's exactly what you were going to do. For, for, for all of his wild fantasies, Rhino is surprisingly perceptive. A broken clock is right twice a day. Exactly twice a day. Exactly, exactly. twice a show. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Brynn's got like this very interesting little bratty kid voice, and I think it's pretty fun. I really love Jill as Futaba so much. I love this bratty child, and the things they get her to say are so funny. I wrote down a couple of them because the all they they write her with this exact level of like squeaky pomeranian bo- how do you know how to describe it you ever seen a pomeranian just bark its head off at like a giant larger dog <laughs> <Yes>. where it's <laughs> like small and full of rage very small full of rage trying to prove that they're the bigger tougher dog despite they're just basically being a boston mastiff right here that could basically squish you with its butt if it wanted to but no i'm loud i'm going to be the one that comes out on top anyways that's futaba yeah. she's ready to be ready to be the queen bee at prom she's red some of the best what are you comedy, saying, Josh? yeah some of the best comedy in my opinion is just having a little kid saying some of the most crass comments, and that's what Futaba does constantly in every scene she appears in. Okay, I found a couple of these. Um, it's that wicked cougar always trying to lure Akun away from me. Uh, I love they also have her throw in a, I want to speak to the manager when she's mad about the crane game. <laughs> Which, mwah. Oh, and, and another one, She's flaunting her financial advantage like a divorcee. She's so line. nasty. <laughs> my, my favorite, of course, is the Lion, the Witch, and the audacity of this The auda- audacity uh, of this witch. It's not just the audacity. I love the exact inflection she says it. The audacity of this bit of this witch. Just, I love the way she says, like Jill says, audacity. It's just so so funny cracks me up every time and shout outs for making that a pg swear <laughs> the audacity of the, exactly it's like the, the the child isn't saying isn't saying swears but it's just a bratty kid and always resorts to trying to pull the if you don't do my things don't go my way i'm gonna pull the the siren on my backpack and call 911 it's like okay i'll help you i'll do your thing please don't hurt me so she like demands for the manager and she threatens to call the police all the time so you're implying she's a mini karen oh no i oh (laughs) That, that is exactly what he's done yes 
<laughs> oh no. Oh, you're right, but it still upsets me. Oh. You know what? God, this Karen so... is a good Karen because honestly, Futaba. I don't know, she's neck and neck with Rido for me with being like probably the second funniest character in the show just because of the lines that she pulls out in Jill's performance is just really good. Honestly, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of some of the kind of bratty characters Allison Victorin used to play back in the day. And I can, I can definitely hear it, yeah. I, I honestly did not recognize this being Jill Harris playing the character, and I think she did an amazing job. For sure, for sure. I, I definitely had a lot of fun with this. Um, what were your thoughts on this little uh, sassy, bratty child, Amon? They're funny. They're, they're, they're the right, they're the correct level of annoying. I think that's how I put it. They're, they're correct level of annoying. Like, these are bratty kids, but the right level of bratty kids. But also, they are very, it is very cute to kind of watch Futaba have this little bratty puppy dog love. But also kind of being humble sometimes, like when she gets lost at the festival. It's like which you, got. It's like you're six. What are you going to do to me? <laughs> what What do I care about your problems? But then also, it's kind of. It was actually kind of cute when like her dad did find her, and then she's just like, "Thanks for being so nice to me." It's like, "Aw, you know what? You're all right, kid. You're all right." She has been. She has at least been taught manners. Also, she's capable of gratitude. Also, Rido is maybe the only person I can believe would actually misplace his phone in his other pocket and not check. <laughs> but yeah, I I really enjoyed Bryn and Jill, especially Jill in particular. Yeah. Anyways, the show has fun with its titular disaster main couple. I would like to talk about its other disaster main couple uh miss toberu and miss miyahira they are gay and i will not hear any challenge to the notion andrew they're just gals being pals i mean you can't just copy on your best friend and have a key to their apartment that you check on them in after hours why you gotta make it gay I, I... <laughs> I love that they throw in that she just had her spare key like, like you you think that means nothing? Or the scene where Toburu uh, wraps her arms around Miyahira, and she's like, "Not in public," which implies, okay, you're not opposed to it. You're just you just don't want it in public, which is fair and also amazing. Also, I love that. Like to to add to the fact that yeah, Toburu's definitely like she's definitely got like. A hetero ship, but I think she's open to the possibility of the Oshiro polycule too. Actually, I think she, she just has a lot of feelings about romance, relationships, cordial esteem. Okay, so I'll just get out and say, uh, Tia Ballard as Mihara. She's sweet. She's cute. She's lovely. She's doing doing her best, being the emotionally supportive and available other half in this relationship while her uh, terminally ill girlfriend disaster is doing the best she can. 
Yeah, not much to add on onto that. It's uh, a very homely Tia Ballard character. It's very, it's very homely and very okay. Yeah, these these gals are pretty chummy. She 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 gives a very nice performance for a role that mostly requires her to be the the straight woman to Caitlin Barr. Ha! <laughs> straight woman. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, honestly, my one note about Tia is it's so rare for her to play a normal character because in so many of these comedies, she's the one always cast as the disaster. So having her be the normal down-to-earth one. who I think her only gimmick in the entire show is that she kind of has road rage, but even then she's completely calm as she's driving. She she just She's just an initial D fan. Like, don't we all want to Tokyo Drift with your bad CG car every now and then? It's like a primal urge. Also, what is with the re- what is with the CG in the show just being very uncanny? Isn't all CG in a season weekly anime production? What are the odds? I know, perish the thought. This this now now is this become one of these things that always looks bad on broadcast and gets cleaned up for the home release? Inquiring minds want to know. It's a pretty regular thing, but it's just, like, a level of, like, you don't need a lot of CG shots or for a show like this, but there's just some random ensemble shots of just the classmates that are just, oh, you are definitely a polygonal model. I, I, I think I think we're seeing, I think we're seeing the, just the, the seams of, like, uh, this is not a... We're not clearly. This was not a say, say, uncle from another world to point to a particularly visible uh, disaster season happening right now. Um, but I feel like all anime have those have those weeks where money's a little tight and things are late, and just you know what, three D model. Or sometimes you, we're gonna get the. You ep- just gotta. Yep. Sometimes you just gotta cut corners just, a little if, bit. If I get it. Use the three D models. We can get the episode out on time, and that's all that matters right now. Yeah, honestly, like, even with a slice of life show, they will cut it really close to making it to production so any way to kind of save time so in that case cgi is kind of a necessary evil yeah i i get it it's just like in the show it's particularly odd it this is not a like lavish production but this is also not a um how do i describe this um this is not a studio ng anime yeah this is confidently done and produced it's not very ambitious uh, but, but it it, it it's, knows it's not, it's not failing to meet deadlines and it's meeting that bar of quality. It feels like it knows what it is and it knows its scope, but it's also still pretty fun. But I will say for sure this dub is very fun and especially especially fun. Holy shit, Caitlin Barr! Oh my god, Caitlin Barr! I hilarious, absolutely hilarious. I also appreciate the fact that like she is bleeding, not because she is aroused at the thought of these teenagers getting it on. She just bleeds out of getting herself too worked up. You know, when you see a cute puppy and your heart just squeezes a little too tight. And that literally is giving her diabetes. That that little puppy dog and her big puppy dog boyfriend 
are so cute. And I think I just missed a couple of heartbeats right now. I th- can somebody call an ambulance? <laughs> Not again. Oh, God. Bless Tobru's heart. I'm pretty sure she's just got the hospital bracelet on at all times. Yeah, I just the things they get Caitlyn to say are absolutely outrageously hilarious, exaggerated, and just fucking great. How she could always manage to to scream out cordial esteem in various different ways, and it's just somehow still funny is just a delight. Absolute fucking delight. I did not know, like, Caitlyn's fun, but I usually don't get to hear Caitlyn in particularly go this extremely exaggerated. And it really shows. It shows. It's just so, so fucking good. So So do we get to talk? Sorry, what were you saying? I said, I guess to loop back to like our earlier discussion over like how this show handles comedy, I feel mm-hmm. like Miss Toberu is probably the biggest case of that because her entire gimmick is that she starts shipping the main two characters, but it could have been really easy to make her a creep with how she is, but a lot of it is that she gets delusions based off of like the closeness of the characters and it caused her to cough up blood from her mouth. <laughs> So I feel like it, it's like to keep the it is the closest it uncomfortable. It is the closest I will say I feel the show ever dips into quote unquote problematic comedy. But even that's kind of like I'm stretching it like Monkey D. Luffy for that. It's a, it's a lot closer to uh, watching babies on a play date and being like, oh, aren't you too cute? Wouldn't you make a great couple? Mm, yeah. It, it, it's closer to that end of the spectrum than it is any any other ends. It, it's like, it's that, that, that one clip from Bob's Burgers. Aw, don't they make a cute couple? They are sitting together. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's kind of like that level of energy. And then... I love how much of a leap in logic she has where it's like, okay, I clearly get myself worked up and get myself sick over these two. So what I need to do is I need to do like one of my Japanese animes and do mental image training (laughs) to increase my tolerance, which (laughs) which involves... See, she should have just went to AO3 like a normal person, but no, she had to do image training. It involves writing real person fanfic. Okay, okay. So, the first one's pretty good, because it's, uh... I think you described it, it was was literally just Yusuke and, uh... Keiko. Oh my... Keiko, yeah. Just them, where it's like, he's the delinquent smoking his banana... And she's the childhood friend. It has to be a Which, banana because kids aren't allowed to smoke on Japanese television. It's relevant because he slips on it and then falls lips first into Raido. As you do in it's your Japanese anime. plot. Fairly consistent. Which I, I know that we're going to talk about Danny in a bit. I need to shout out the fact that like that is just normal Danny anime voice for the dramatized anime flashbacks which is which is really funny and 
But nothing in this world was preparing me. Nothing in this world could have prepared me for Dorito Chin Rido. I... <laughs> it's so cursed. It's so fucking cursed watching Dorito Chin Chad Rido. Our, our families have decided that we're going to be married, so I'm going to start living here and bathing in your living room. As... Alright, so for context, the first fantasy is Rido as a delinquent in Aharin as a childhood friend. The second fantasy is a shoujo fantasy. It's Aharin a shoujo a, fantasy! Aharin is a bookish girl, and Rido is like the son of this very important <gasps> rich guy. He's so handsome, he'll never notice a plain girl like me. <laughs> He's just And then, and then that backfires, and then she's just bleeding in her fucking bed, and then her girlfriend saves her by cleaning up and giving her food and coming in. She almost dies of anemia. <laughs> almost dies of anemia, but her girlfriend's just that good at taking care of her. It's like, you didn't pick up, so I used the spare key you gave me because we're such good friends, and then, you know, I came in to check on you because I was worried, and... It, these bitches are actually gay. Good for them. Good for them. But yeah, Caitlyn Barr basically has... I was gonna say, Caitlyn hmm? Barr basically has, like, two modes in it. There's the serious strict teacher mode, and then there's her shipper mode, When as soon as she, like, picks up on the dynamics between Rydell and Aharin. And honestly, these two sides are just done so well. <laughs> I, I'm appreciated. I I applaud her. I applaud her tenacity for literally walking in on the big dramatic confession scene and not dying. Oh, no, she's too dramatic for her taste. She she made it to the end of the show. She witnessed the confession and she's still kicking. Good for her. Good for her. I'm proud of her. Making big strides. But yeah, no, Caitlyn Barr it just fucking steals the show and it's just so funny. Alrighty. I, I will uh, briefly talk about the uh, the joke that they're making with their character is this esteemed and cordial line which is a very Japanese concept, concept that they've tried to translate into English with the word esteem. Uh, it's I believe the phrase is mono no aware uh she is pronouncing it in a very archaic Japanese way, as she is a literature teacher, so she says ahare, and therefore it's a pun on the main character's name. And it's just this uh, concept of like, how do I explain? Of like passage of time, this directly translated as the empathy towards things. Like when you see something poignant or uh, feel a bunch of pathos at something, this, this is a phrase that comes out of your lips. Uh, there was a whole Wikipedia article on this that I uh, picked up, and it's describing things like, oh, this is a feeling we get in uh, the Ghibli movie only yesterday, which was basically just, that was that Daisy Ridley uh, starring one with the the older woman reliving her childhood or reminiscing about her childhood, passes a chime. Other things was that on this list are Girls Last Tour and Samurai Jack, just very like ambient and uh, relaxed, not quite Yashke, but like relaxed and they they are vibe it, it is vibe 
It is basically a old-timey Japanese term to describe the vibes. It's a very gentle emotion that she is being overcome with and then exploding out. <laughs> okay. And the gentle... The gentle emotion is slowly killing her inside, as it does for most normal people. Yeah. So, uh, credit to the subtitle translator on coming up with that uh, term to use that we can repeat for comedy. Also, cordial and esteem are just very funny, fancy words that you would never hear in most contexts. It's just very fun to see to see them pulled out, and it's just a ton of fun. But yeah, y'all y'all had fun with uh these girls. Okay, but but seriously, that scene though, Kabe Dons she hooks the arm. Kabe Dons says, "I can't take it anymore." Head in the boobs, and then just like, "Oh, you're not feeling too well." Yeah, I want to go back to back home. I, I think she was specifically about this causes her to overreact with esteem. Nothing about this. This is all fine. This is all copacetic. This is all just normal domestic girlfriend behavior. And it's it's lovely. But yeah, Tia, Caitlin, had a great time. Y'all had a great time with that? Oh yeah, absolutely. An esteemed time. Esteemed time. Quite cordial indeed. Alright. And then that brings us back to... um. The personal friend group of the main duo in Oshiro, Ishikawa, and Sato. Um, I, th- I, f- I feel like Ishikawa and Sato are interesting in that they are clearly important characters, but they feel very normal in a show of abnormal people. You know what? You know what they kind of remind me of. Was that? This is a this is a description which I have no idea if I learned this in a class or just read it online. But it is a, I think this is like a trend that I, I saw some point. Out. I think you see in a lot of um, like Shakespeare comedies where you'll have the main couple, who are often fine, but they tend to be very like standard sort of you know romantic couple. And then over here you'll kind of have the B couple who are also like you know they kind of go the same motions, but they tend to have more personality or they tend to be a little more oddball. This feels like a show where we're following the B couple around, and the Nishikawa <laughs> or the Sato are like the normal couple who would be the main characters in like a normal show, but here they're just the like nice, pleasant side couple who are like, so they're dating, right? Like they're surely they must be dating at this point, right? Wow, I I had never actually considered that, but I, I yeah, I can fucking see that. Yeah, that's a really good especially point. since the, especially since they do kind of tease that potential angle. Like, near the tail end of the show, too. At some point, these two characters just kind of appear so that they can play cards, because they need four people to play cards. <laughs> they, they're they not really introduced, are they? No, no. They just, they just happen to be classmates and or friends. I don't know which... who they were friends with first. Now, I now think I, they just all happen to be classmates. I think Ishikawa like, was cool with Rido. I I think... Ishikawa was at least next to Raido. I don't... I think Veronica... I think... Uh, sorry, not forgot. I think Sato was already mutuals with Ishikawa, and then Ishikawa was neighbors with Raido. Yeah, Ishikawa it's and a, Sato are childhood friends because Ishikawa keeps trying to call her by her first name and she gets embarrassed by it. 
And he's like, hey, what's the big deal? Anyways, it's a bummer that those two got to be in the circle and not the giant guy who joined the baseball team that is just blocking all of Reyna's, like, perpetual view of class. <laughs> like, he had a story there. What was his deal? I'm sure he would have been willing to move if someone uh, asked him. I'm sure. He, he was... He seemed like a good lad. So big. The absolute size of this lad. Or no, it is his fault because he put on a lot of muscle after joining the sports team. Still not his fault. But yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Veronica, welcome to the Dub Talk podcast. Uh, pleasure to make your acquaintance. You do a very good job and are very cute and charming and sweet as Sato. Uh, Kevin as Ishikawa is also pretty good, pretty fun. He's a very good, fun boy that bounces off of the more eccentric antics of their other friends quite nicely, and I think those two would make a cute couple. Yeah. Anybody else to add on those two in particular before I go to the the big hidden elephant locked away in the closet, or hiding in the scaffolding, or like on a fucking riser or... yeah i would say these two don't really get a lot of material where kind of like a lot of it is them either play up playing off of or reacting to what Rido and ahiren are doing um i do know kevin Farewell. i guess the reason why his performance stood out to me somewhat is because i happen to be watching girlfriend girlfriend this season where he's playing the lead now yeah <laughs> And Nalia is probably the polar opposite of Ishikawa because that is a dude with no filter who was also always on an 11. And I think between that and um, I guess Madeline being the writers for both shows is kind of reminding me that Madeline's probably one of my favorite current um, writers for comedies and dubs right now. But yeah, hmm. I think Kevin does a really good job and um so does veronica again they're playing pretty straight vanilla characters here but i like them yeah sometimes look there's nothing wrong with vanilla sometimes you just need a vanilla that has a flavor and taste because sometimes vanilla can just go down and feel like nothing but there's a level of vanilla where it's like that's refreshing yeah and it goes down easy Yep, these are well-cast characters. We get their deal uh, pretty quickly. And then they and then they scuttle off into the background to cause mayhem uh, elsewhere. And then, speaking of mayhem, holy fucking shit, Oshiro. Wow, Kristen. Wow. This is... I love the fact that she is just a big girl... That sounds like the big baby squeaky girl. I want to hug this child. I want to hug this child and tell her everything is going to be Daijobu. And the the character who's don't bully me, I will cry. Please don't bully me, I will cry. Definitely the inverse from Futaba of very large, very tiny personality. Like, or a very like mousy personality. But I think it's also really fun hearing uh like I, I think one of my favorite like transitions 
from meeting Oshiro for the first time is hearing that gruff and tough gravel in her voice like she's a demon before immediately going to, like, tiny baby, like, hands. <laughs> like, that level of, like, crying. It's... I, I did not even know Kristen could go this level of mousy. I genuinely did not know she could go to that level of, like, mousiness. It's kind of wild, actually. Like, I, I'm pretty, I've gotten pretty familiar with Kristen's vo vocal work for the past couple of years doing this podcast, and even I'm still really blown away. I've never heard her do something quite like an Oshiro. And she's great. She's great. Really funny. Really charming. Also, maybe the most competent one of the polycule of Raido, Reina, and Oshiro. <laughs> she, has a, she has an unusual number of skills. She's a renaissance she, woman. She knows how to cut hair. She knows how to swim. She might know how to Gut a man like a fucking fish. She, can she might fish. be an assassin. She also might be a ninja. She she is really good at hiding places. She probably knows how to dispose of a body. She probably would know. She probably would watch the beginning episodes of Breaking Bad and would see him pouring like the acid in the porcelain bathtub and be like, "That's a fucking rookie mistake." And then Rido would look at her like, "Wait, what?" Here's okay, so, what you're going to do. So you guys remember how we mentioned that there are two moments in the show where Rydal's delusions were actually turned out to be true? Yes. Well, Aharon kind of goes the rule of three method, the rule of three in comedy, where you do a punchline three times, and the third time, you got to deliver on the joke. Well, mm -hmm. there's two moments where Rydal's convinced that <laughs> Oshiro's going to try to kill him. And she was like, no, I'm gonna go I thought about it, but I won't. And then the third time, <laughs> he starts to think it, and then he's like, wait, no, that, it's Oshiro, it won't happen. And then it turns out, oh, that wait, she re really does want to kill him. And then he's like, oh, no, I'm dead meat. <laughs> what? It's that great anime trip of, is this a layer of challenge or is this a love confession? You never oh, no, nope, it's a challenge. This, you never know which way this is going to go. Oh no, I'm challenged for my life. <laughs> you always guess wrong. Bless. But no, and also need to give shout out in particular to the childhood uh, Oshiro voice, which is somehow even higher pitch and mousier than the already pretty high pitched mousy voice. Like that's pretty impressive. I, I, it, it's like learning a new skill. It's always fun. It's always fun listening to actors you're quite familiar with and seeing them pull out a couple of tricks you didn't know they had. Like, I think back to watching Sleepy Princess in the Demon Castle and being like, I didn't know that Chris Wakehamp just, could just pull a fucking Saturday morning cartoon 80s Starscream voice out of his repertoire. <laughs> and now I know he can do that. Fun discoveries whenever you do stuff like this. So yeah. Or what did you think of uh, Oshiro in particular, uh, Amon? That poor girl. <laughs> She's so funny. <laughs> She's so funny. Yeah. Oh, it's. 
I, I want to. I, I'll get to this more when we talk about our leads, but I do want to give this credit, the show credit for just finding good gags that never get old. Like it, it shockingly never gets tiresome. Yeah. You feel like how many how many times can they like open something and Oshiro is there and like you want to hang out? <laughs> it feels like it should get stale eventually, and yet it never does. Even after think... they call it out, like in in the same episode that they have they have it and introduce us, it's just gonna get old. <laughs> I think I think the I think the funniest thing about the Oshiro thing is how casual it just becomes over time. <laughs> Where they're just having a normal scene like, hey, would you like to go to the festival? And then they just pull out a floorboard and Oshiro's there. You want to come with us? Oh, Oshiro's in the rafters again. Get the broom. And I think like, one of my hey. favorite variations of it is when we're seeing it from to- Miss Toboru's perspective. <laughs> because it just, that's just what it looks like to a normal person. It's like, oh, hey, they're eating like... Oh, she's Wait, hanging out Oshiro- on the roof. she... <laughs> Clearly visible here. from a third-person perspective. <laughs> she also, she, it's also weird seeing a normal person see the giant chopstick gag, where it's like, oh no, she's so far away, she can't eat with them. Oh my god, as she pulls out the giant fucking chopsticks. <laughs> Which is a joke they've introduced before and are using again. It, it's fun, it's cartoony shit, and it's delightful. It's delightful that the show just kind of endears itself to its cartoon antics and then just kind of makes them commonplace. Yeah. And and again, this isn't uh, Oshiro being the butt of a joke because her insecurity is her height. Uh, but that never comes up as a, a, a gag ever. Like, And it's really hard to tell that she actually is taller than everyone. Like, I had to watch out for it to actually prove that she's like an inch taller on than Rido, for example. I think she I thought she was about as tall. I didn't know if she was taller than Rido. Just a little bit. I, I was watching for a scene and I found one uh, where they're all standing in a row. Damn, okay. Uh, good for her. Good for her. <laughs> but yeah, I've kind of become known in the Discord as kind of like the rom-com guy because I'm always shilling different rom-com series. And Oshiro's character in particular is a very easy one that could have gone wrong because so much of her gags early on involves her stalking Aharin and not liking Raido. And I know she could have totally have been the obsessive, maybe Yandere lesbian yes, stereotype. Exactly. She mm. could have been a Yamai, and she's not a Yamai. Oh. Never go full Yamai. Oh, you said the exact correct one to make me go, oh. Yeah, jealousy is a really ugly personality trait, and I tend to uh, really detest characters like that. And this is like a show where a lot of the jokes tends to come from a very good sincerity, and I think her friendship with Aharin is a perfect example of that because they are really close friends she's the first friend that Oshiro ever managed to make so you can kind of see why she cares so much about her and her well-being and the one time she does legitimately get pissed at Raido it's from like a understandable place of why she would be god I don't know where my brain went to this I just imagined a scenario of like Raido, Reina, and Oshiro trying to like 
do the cuddle spoon thing, but Oshiro is like always the little spoon and Reina is always Reina is always the big spoon. Oshiro is always the little spoon. She's up on her shoulders and just is holding her head entirely with her entire body. <laughs> it's a very funny image, but tell me it's not canon. That's about right. But no, I just, I, I absolutely was impressed and delighted by Kristen as Oshiro in particular. And I love this, I love this baby girl. I want her to grow up bigger and stronger and I will protect her and I will give her head pats and then kiss her on the forehead and then tuck her in for a good bedtime story. But you'll never catch her because she's always a mile away hiding. Yeah, she's, she's pretty good like that. All right. Y'all ready to talk about the idiots? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the idiots in chief. All right. I'm actually going to propose we start with the title character first. So remember what I was talking about? It's always nice to hear a voice actor pull out a voice or, like, do a, do a thing in a way you haven't quite heard it before. I know Danny can play soft-smoking... Not soft-smoking... Oh, that's an image. God, no! You've been watching too much Aharon. You're becoming Rido. <laughs> oh my god! Soft smoking? Are you telling me that Dan- Dan- Are you telling me that Aharon has been listening to the reggae music with, like, the dreads and is pulling out, rolling the big ganja? Oh man, I can only imagine how much Bob Marley she's been playing, and it's like, oh. Never mind. Andrew, never say ganja again. (laughs) (laughs) That was the whitest I have ever heard you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fucking Christ. (sighs) So you're saying something about soft-spoken. Soft-spoken characters. I've heard Danny play soft-spoken characters. I've heard her play cutesy Moe characters before. But I've never heard the soft-spoken Moe character done to this level where it is basically bedtime whispers. And it could have been so easy to make her hard to understand or, like, actively annoying, I guess? But I find the way she does the voice very endearing and just absolutely charming. Like, she is a good girl and she is absolutely just a nice person. A good person who loves her friends, loves her dumb idiot of a boy. Just... But all of the scenarios she's imagined in are aggressively silly, and she is always in aggressively silly scenarios. And she gets some very funny deliveries, too. Like, it's very funny to kind of just watch her freak out with the very, like, soft-spoken voice. I think one of one of the deliveries I remember is when Raido is sick with hot anime boy disease. <laughs> And then he faints and is, like, doing the 
doing the thing with like flower petals and everyone's like hey we're here for you we got you buddy and then she just says i am all she just says in a tiny voice i am also here just he falls very sexily moans a little bit stop sharing this image this is the face of utter distress I'm this man is on this subject please stop this man is dying right now the he's trying to survive but I, I love Danny's particular portrayal of her in particular. And it's it's charming and also kind of like the heart of the... This is a romance. Danny's particular portrayal is the heart of the romance. And she does that very convincingly. Like, oh, she really cares about this person and she doesn't want to ruin a good thing. And it's really cute and sweet. And I kind of love how, like, her voice actually raises a little bit once she gets the confession. And she kind of, like, says, I feel the same about you. Like, and it, like, kind of raises a little bit more, like, to the point it's actually more audible than usual. It's, like, nice little touch. Mm. And, and, yeah, just, Aharin is just... I love this little bean. It could have been so easy to do this character more I don't know I, I think at the beginning we were talking about we thought the show was going to infantilize Aharin a lot more than it actually wound up doing and I appreciate that she's just kind of this cute awkward girl who is pretty confident but also knows what she wants and she could be I like Danny a lot is this I, I'm rambling a lot right now please somebody chime in yeah, I'm, I think this uh, portrayal really does work quite well uh, for having this quiet character, this softly spoken character. Like, if it was a full-on whisper like this, it would not have worked. And that, like, whispering like that does tire out the voice a lot, so it would have been a lot more strenuous to do. So I'm glad they uh, didn't go that way, for example. Uh, yeah, and, like, her... She is emotive throughout the show while mm-hmm. she's keeping down low and and at this like consistent level throughout the show yeah like i wasn't expecting this to i know it is a rom-com at the outset but i wasn't expecting it to go that route it's more so that um Rido's coming on strong at, because he wants to make friends uh and she's giving the cold shoulder because that's how uh she's internalized that she needs to reinvent herself uh, and he, he's consistent with it and persistent, and uh, that's what kind of gets her to open up more and warm up. And then they continue that relationship where they're uh, very open with each other. And I can absolutely see how those would develop into uh, romantic feelings. So even though uh, the buddy-buddy friendship uh, is, is how it started. And... Uh, it, it is amusing watching Aharon's also uh, wild ideas because she's like everything that uh, does come out of Rido's mouth when he has an idea, she's right there with him on this weird train of thought. Like, let's do this weird dance together. Uh, let's uh, enter this Beyblade tournament together. Let's go camping. Let's do all this weird stuff. Uh, let's send carrier pigeons to each other to try to communicate. <laughs> 
let's go to this movie and then just sit in the theater crying while the staff is telling us to please leave. And let's remember that she's the one who started rapping first and then Rido started joining her after. And oh yeah. Had rap battles every day. Rap is magical. Also did like that there's this one moment where um, Rydell starts gaining a lot of weight because she keeps force feeding him a lot from her lunch. And we kind of get the rare moment where the segment is told from her perspective and she has just as active imagination as Rydell does because she imagines a scenario where she tells him that he's fat and he gets so shocked that he falls out the school window. Just absolute absurd comedy between these two weirdos and I... I adore Danny in particular as this little, this little good bean, and she is very cute. I, I, I'm not gonna die. She is very cute. I, I think she's very cute. It, it does bring me to my favorite joke in the show, which I think is also episode four of um. Okay, Danny or uh, Haran, we need you to be able to emote a little bit more so I can understand you a tiny bit better. Let's see you smile, and it just. You get the uh, anime spark behind her, but her face has not changed at all. <laughs> it's still this tiny little mouth, and it's like, perfect. Excellent. Uh, do uh, Watch me do it first. Exact same thing. Rido <laughs> is expressionless, has not changed a thing, but the anime sparkle behind him are indicating smile. Uh, so, so perfect. Yeah, so let's uh, loosen you up a little bit and help uh, loosen up those... Uh, Face muscles. Give her a uh, face massage. Where are your bones? Just start stretching her like putty. <laughs> the, the actual moe blob part of this. Like, where and, and, that, and then it's like, stretch harder, and then just basically cracks her? Yeah. Folds her in half, which I wish someone would do that to me, because then maybe my back wouldn't hurt as much. Just, it's excellent, uh... God, on that regard, because Rido also thinks he's an expert on this. Just you know what's a good unabashed confidence on that. You part. know what? You know what's such a good gag that I can't talk about in regards to like the dub, but it's just such a funny visual. All the presents he keeps getting from her. <laughs> he gets the little Sh- Shiorin dolls, and then he gets the Yankiras, and then it's just like forming like a circle around his head as he sleeps. It's a and then he, and then he gets a life-size life Aharindal. The life-size Raina that's just staring at him. And then he's just like, I don't think I'm going to sleep tonight. I like that this aired the same season as Uramichi Onisan because they did the same as that gag too with all those ugly dolls. Oh, God. Oh, God. <sighs> Fucking so good. So good. But yeah, as much as we talk about, like, how goofy and joke-ridden this show is, Aharin is a character with a lot of depth to her, and that does get conveyed a lot in Danny's performance. Because Aharin, um, she has a lot of insecurities because she didn't have many friends in middle school. Um, because she has a lot of struggles with um, people's personal boundaries in their space, and Rydell's like the first person outside of Oshiro, who's ever been comfortable with her as she is, and that plays a big role in why she starts developing feelings for him and, like, why their friendship works so well. 
and I think like in the later episodes we do get a lot of emotional scenes with Aharin and despite how quiet of a character she is Danny does a really great job emoting through that Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's really good stuff. Uh, Amon, I don't know what to add. That's 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 good. It's good. She's very she's that's very good. She, I think, she has a she has one of those roles that I think is kind of technically challenging, just not in an obvious way, and and she does it really well, which I think is impressive. Oh yeah, I gotcha. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I have anything quality-wise to add otherwise, though. I think you guys kind of said it all already. All right. In that, ca- in that case, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a hand by this one and say, Amon, please start us off and talk about my beloved baby boy, Rido. I don't think I'd heard Ben in anything prior to this. What a genius. What a guy. <laughs> I, I loved him in this. This was great. He... I feel like the key to Raido is... Raido is both really stone face and also an overly imaginative weirdo, and you need to be able to jump between those pretty much with zero prompting. Which sounds hard. And it probably was. Yeah, I'm really impressed that Ben is able to do this so consistently so good, because... The show, the show, not not directly, but the show that pops to mind when I think about what shows are similar to this is actually um, Psyche K. But Psyche K is different because like Psyche's very dry, but like the joke is that he's really grounded and everyone else is really weird, even though he's the psychic. Here, everyone's weird. You know what? I could absolutely see a lot of Psyche K in this. Now that you well, think about got, it, I, I, that sa- I I didn't even piece that together. It's yeah, that same thing where it's it's a lot of like blase reactions to really odd scenarios, and I feel like they're they're very simpatico in a in some way. I I even feel like even Psyche himself, Psyche's a little like at least at the start a little more mean spirited oh, yeah. towards the weird people around him. The bit the bit I remember of Psyche K watching like a lot of his cons definitely had like I cannot believe the idiots I'm surrounded with. What happened? I I feel like the difference is that Psyche is a little more judgmental and Rido's a, a lot more earnest. R- R- Rido doesn't have a mean bone in his body. I, I do not believe that this boy can hurt a fly. Nope. It's just a little on edge around Oshiro, because she does want to stab him. Yes. He he doesn't want to hurt people, but he also would enjoy to keep all of the blood in his body. That's only fair. Blood stays in. Maybe a little... It's only a little selfish that he wants to keep all the blood in his body, you know? Now, he did try to use his Mewtwo against uh, Aharin's uh, Rattata in a Pokemon battle. <laughs> <laughs> He came unprepared for the, the <laughs> Endeavor Focus Ash Rotata. Yeah. No he like was... whirlwind, no roar, no stone, stone edge or uh, stealth rock. You gotta come prepared for these things. Then he had a nightmare after he lost the battle. God. So but yeah, no. Scrub quotes in there. Very scrub quotes for sure, but no, uh, I didn't even piece together this. It, this show in general does feel a lot like Psyche in like its style of humor, but God, Ben is. I feel like there are some dubs you could probably 
argue which of these are like there's a couple of words like you could probably argue a couple of these are the best in their show ben balmacita makes this stuff oh, absolutely 100 percent. ben makes this stuff and it is so funny it is so funny every time he does the dry wit humor thing over ex- like over imagine something and then it's like oh never mind it's always funny it, it, it's one of those gags that should get old it should get tiresome but it's always different it's always weird it's always like oh no she's going to move into the school if i don't carry her to class or oh no all the clones are going to be attacking she's from a family of cleaners that definitely assassinate people as he imagines reyna with a fucking gun killing a guy as blood splatters on her and then it's just always silly i think the most ridiculous one is that he he like maybe just started dating her and then she doesn't walk home with him and he's like oh god i've heard of this before this must be a cold spell the specific ennui you have in a relationship when you lose the passion of the fire that was once there. It was like, oh. <laughs> r- 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 right out, right out. I understand, but it's called the seven-year itch for a reason. It takes a while. <laughs> you're you're like, you're less seven years than you are seven hours. Yeah, Jeff got a little bit there, buddy. Calm down. <laughs> Bless his heart. Bless his stupid fucking stupid heart the phrase i don't know any constellations is not in of itself (laughs) and yet but the way and yet but the conviction of oh i know i'm gonna show her a good time by showing her all my cool star knowledge oh see that what i don't know any constellations (laughs) you can just point at the big dipper you're good that's all you need to know. Jackson. It might be different. It might be different in Japan. They might have a different uh, set of stars or sky there. It's okay. Oh. Yeah. Honestly, relating back to like how we started off the episode, a lot of Ben's performance really impressed me. Just because um, getting deadpan humor in a show tends to be really hard because a lot of times when you're doing deadpan, it can either come off as increasingly snarky. Like, we tend to see this a lot with Adam Gibbs' performance with characters like Hachiman and, like, Romantic Snafu because those are kind of more characters with more edge to them. Or sometimes the performance could come across wooden as if you're reading from a script. But with Ben as Rido, he just has this dry delivery where it never comes off as mean or, like, as if he's being sarcastic. It's like he's saying it with a lot of sincerity before the flip switches. (laughs) And like there's this perfect contrast of like how he normally talks to how he emotes whenever he's having these fantasies. Because I don't know, he just goes that extra mile and still like my favorite line is still the wretched hive of scum and villainy. (laughs) Because I think in any other show that would have been out of place, but because it's coming from Rido, it just fits perfectly. I believe Rido's a weirdo who just says weird things. And he doesn't... Like, he... 
like it's like oh the the show is winking and nudging at you about how it knows pop culture i think rhino doesn't even understand what pop culture is i think he maybe heard it once through the grapevine and he was just like oh that's a popular slang with the kids rhino rhino would be convinced that like Bussy is a real thing. <laughs> See, I'm reminded of this Kaiser Neko tweet a while back where he didn't realize that what is a king to a god, what is a god is to a non-believer was a Kanye West lyric. He thought it was something for poetry. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm like, that's the type of person Rido is. Rido, Rido absolutely <laughs> believes uh, if they do not love me into heaven, I will walk backwards into hell. Is from like uh, you know something significantly more uh, classy than a drill tweet. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! I'm trying to make a similar reference, but it's blocked out by uh, clown bussy. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's not coming back out. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm I did not mean to. Hard. I did not mean to dis- derail this serious discussion about our beloved himbo Rido with the term "bussy." But you know what? When in Rome, you know do what? This, as the bussy do. This romantic pairing is just, and then they were both clowns. There's <laughs> a red nose because you want to be a clown so badly. Anyway. <laughs> They would not consider it an insult. They would consider it a term of endearment, and then they would be clowns together. Yeah. I, I really do like, uh, as we said, uh, Rido's indoor and outdoor uh, voices, or inside and outside voices, where uh, like the the outside voice is this very uh, level-headed, kind, pretty dry uh, motionless, and a lot's happening in his head, and his, and his voice, he's getting very excited about all these random ideas, very scared at the possibilities of, of, of his own mind. Uh, and, and then he'll, uh, when he gets them out and uh, reality comes back and I'm just like, oh, oh, it's this or this or, or this other thing. It, it actually does like, his voice kind of does like brighten up on occasion. Uh, and that really heightens the comedy of of the uh, reaction, the uh, come back down part of it. It's like, oh, okay, that's what's going on here. I do kind of, I do describe a lot of what's ha- happening as like he's in an improv game with himself, and <laughs> no one else, no one else is yes anding him. Reality comes in <laughs> and just no sells him. Sad. You know what? He thinks he's a yes and relationship with um, with uh, Aharon. But he is just in that yes and with himself. He's but then a also, one-man show. He, he's doing a one-man show, but he finds his two-man partner for life. And you know what? I couldn't be happier for him, but... Find someone in your life you can Fortnite dance with. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so I need to talk. When I was watching the show, I figured, okay, it's kind of a rom-com, but it's mostly just comedy. I I don't think we're going to get actual progress. And not only did we get progress, 
We got the confession, and it's mutual. Of all the shows to break the, like, we won't kiss until volume three rule. Of all the shows. These three seasons of Kakiyasama Love is War, of (laughs) the most master manipulator, schemer, like, fucking A to B to C to D to E, F, G, H schemes. Three seasons of master schemers, planners, manipulators, trying to make it happen. And once it finally does happen, it's like a Machiavellian scheme of epic grand proportions. This should be the slow burn coffee AU. This should be the slow burn of the of dumb and dumber. But the two idiots sharing a brain cell made it happen. They did it. It's like, it's watching the dumbest people in your party roll the nat 20 just right and land that critical in the most epic, grandiose way at the 11th hour, and everybody is just fucking stunned. Like, how? How did you do that? Everything was lined up against you. I don't even think you two understand what sex is. How did you get romantic relationship and feelings mutual? How? How did you do it? I'm happy for you. I'm proud of you. But this might as well be a miracle unto itself. Look, sometimes being stupid just means you're free. In like a Buddhist sense. Honestly, I think the biggest shock is that Aharon clearly falls in love first and like develops the crush. But Rido's the one who confesses first. Rido's also the one where, as we discussed earlier, he kept having all these fantasies where he was together with Aharin for life. And he's just like, oh yeah, no, that's that's just, it's just because we're homies. Rido's heart knew what was up a little before Rido's brain. And even then, the heart was like, holy shit, did you actually just, did, are you, we on the same page? That never happens, dude. He somehow uh, harnesses this power to win at a game of reversi, which he's never done in the show prior to this. What and a nice, dramatic... Yeah. And he sets it up so that it is not only a perfect victory, he's created the perfect heart pattern in the winning reversi board. Ty- oh, I didn't even catch that! Yeah, yeah Taikubo I didn't approves. Even- Shut the fuck up! Shut the fuck up! Shut your fucking fuck you! (laughs) See, people who have never read Bleach are just gonna go right over their head. The heart. The heart, Norman. We have to attack the heart. Man, okay. Taite Kubo is many things, but if you're gonna see you didn't think the Espada were numbered 1 to 10, did you? As good writing. Fucking get the fuck out of here, man. Glad to have you back, Johnny. Looking forward to Thousand Year Blood War. (laughs) Same. Ben is immaculate. Ben Ben is perfect. He is perfection. He is genuinely one of the funniest performances I've heard all year. Just... 
I love Rido. He is the dumbest fucking boy. This show works because Aharon is not just the weird girl with the straight man. She is the weird girl with her absolutely even weirder boyfriend. And god damn it. They're, they're, a beaut- they, they're a beautiful couple because they they are compatible but distinct forms of bizarre. It's very it's very. You, you were saying you, Amon, you were saying something about they are he is dumb but he is free or something like that. He, 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 the guy, the the, the kids in uh, Kaguya Sama, they are they are very cute but they are too clever for their own good. This is not a problem Raido and Aharon have. I would, I would say, I would take it even a step further and say, Reina Aharon and Raido Matsu... Oh, God, what is his name? Raido Matsu... Raido, what's his face? Raido, what's his face? And Reina Aharon. He has a last name, surprisingly. Raido, Raido. Raido's sister's brother. (laughs) It's it's Matsuboshi, that's what it is. Raido Matsuboshi and Reina Aharen, their relationship is they are cringe, but they are free. And that is this show in a nutshell. I love this dub. I really, really love this dub a lot. And this show was like, there was like bigger show, bigger and like more high profile shows coming out during the spring season. Like this was the season of Spy Family but this was the one I tuned in and was, like, the most excited to watch on a week-to-week basis. Like, with, like, fervor, I was, like, more excited to watch this. Sometimes even a little more excited than, like, to watch Kaguya-sama, which was shocking. I was like, how did this little weird show that, like, I thought, okay, this might be a little cute, was the one that stole my heart and won the day. But sure enough, it did. And this dub, cast, and crew fucking swung it out of the park fucking incredible work all around good job bang up job i'm proud of everybody everybody gets a a plus on this one i will agree Mm -hmm. i went into this show with low expectations because um like i said i was really worried about the tone of the show and the relationship between Rido and aharon but honestly it went above and beyond anything i could have hoped for this ended up being like one of my favorite comedy dubs like in general and i think from direction to writing to the voice acting this is a must watch i think this is a show that a lot of people ended up sleeping on and like you would really be doing yourself a favor by checking it out i really recommend it for sure yeah this one definitely would have uh passed me by because like i'm on i've kind of been off of the seasonal grind for a little bit ironically at the start of uh lockdown is when I, when that kind of happened uh yeah i, I saw big girl uh, or big guy small girls like oh it's one of those okay pass it pass it on by uh, but this ended up being pretty solid i have not watched a romantic comedy in some time actually i, th- I think the last one i watched was uh my next life as a villainous season one and it's been about that and that was like 2020 so you know uh been a long time since i've gotten to enjoy a uh comedy like it's it's not knocking my so- socks off but it's quite compliment compliment competently done and uh 
enjoyable and and uh, has some nice little surprises in there. It might yet make my uh, end of the year list. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, and this does remind uh, the old adage does hold true that miscommunication for drama sucks, terrible, hate it. Miscommunication for comedy, ten out of ten, love it every time. Yep. <laughs> God, God bless. All right, Alan's quality program is what it is. I, 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 I'm sure I saw some sort of broad discussion on Twitter that I didn't really pay attention to because I didn't know what they're talking about. And then again, the rapping clips went around. And it's like, oh, this seems like a thing I might enjoy. I should check this out at some point. She's wearing a hat that says beef. I think right. he's wearing something that said nuts on I it, not, too. I'm not going to lie. The, go the goofy rap closing was a definite selling point in his favor. <laughs> It it felt like the product of somebody who like I, I feel like there's 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 some comedy wavelength compatibility here I like that yeah yeah dig um and then Andrew said hey you want to be on an episode about this and, like have an excuse to watch the show absolutely why not what's the worst that could happen uh, it turns mm -hmm. out nothing I like the show a lot it was a great decision <laughs> yeah watch it I don't know. Sorry, I will I I will segue into the end. I just need a second that we are so close to the end, and I need Steph to please take the cat away so he doesn't swipe at the important chords right at we're about to wrap up. Kitty cat, go go somewhere else. Crunchyroll Ash, needs please. to put that quote on the Blu-ray box. Watch it, I don't know. Watch I, we've you've been listening to this for two hours. If we haven't convinced you by now, what then why are you still here? Anyways, if you would like to watch uh, Aharin-san wa Hakarin-nai, uh, you can do so over on Crunchyroll, where you can find both the sub and dub versions, as well as, I think, the Sp the uh, Latin American Spanish dub on it as well, if, in case you want to hear what Rido sounds like in Spanish. That did which start playing on me on the Crunchyroll website. Oh, man, now I do want yeah, to know what Rido sounds like in Spanish. That must be amazing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you can watch it over on Crunchyroll. And if you would like to listen to more of us, we are the Dub Talk Podcast. You can find us over on YouTube at Dub Talk Podcast. And if you'd like to listen to us more in an audio format and don't care for visuals and stuff, you can listen to us on platforms such as Podbean, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So you can listen to us on the go. Uh, if you'd like to hear more... If you'd like to support the podcast, you can uh, give a one-time donation on our Ko-fi. Or if you'd like to regularly support us, get uh, updates on episodes, get early previews of things, and get to vote in our quarterly patrons poll, or patrons choice, um, you could do so over on our patron. And we'd like to shout out our lovely patrons, uh, Megan's, Megan's mom and dad, Michelle Travis, Nico Robin, but with yaoi hands, Victor May Borda, Anthony Bolin, Carly Lestikow, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, Jared Hawkin, Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. And I'm realizing two of those names sound a little more familiar than they should. 
I know that Crimson and Kitna guy sounds like a real dick. Always submitting all these terrible shows for the Patreon picks. What of these what what of these days you will get lucky at the draw? I sort of feel bad at how many times the draws come down to it as like it's just missed. Look, look, look so, as, as somebody like I find it hilarious because either other people have to watch some trash or you'll do something where it's like I'll watch this. How bad can it be? <laughs> Also, what the record mm. to be known as much as everyone jokes about what I submit here, just as often they bait me to submit terrible stuff. This, this, this <laughs> is true. <laughs> a, a, a lot of it really is just Megan or myself being like, do it, pussy. <laughs> so, so that does check out. Anyways, uh, if you would like to check us personally out my name is andrew aka classy spartan you can find me over on twitter at mangaman 9000 where you can find me on my other podcast gig surreal resolutions anime podcast ona where we talk about the latest and greatest in anime news with fellow podcast dub talk co-host jet uh jackson where can the lovely people find you uh i'm over on twitter at uh, nine claw tiger uh as far as public-facing stuff, I'm yeah, there on Twitter and editing for the podcast and streaming for the podcast as well. Over on oh the shit! Podcast. I forgot. I forgot. Yeah, we do. We do a Twitch stream where we play video games during the week in between episode releases. Almost every day of the week, and if there's not a uh, stream, then there's a podcast episode probably. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I've been. I've finished going through uh, Red Alert Two. Uh, me and Amon just finished a playthrough of Valhalla recently, so you can go up on the VOD channel to enjoy that. Uh, and now I've been going through uh, Fire Emblem Echoes. I have discovered that the healer Guinea has a summon spell, where she uh, summons like four uh, skeleton ghost pirates, I'm calling them, and they are really powerful. So I'm going to be relying on that for the rest of the game. Delightful. Uh, at the time of this recording, Steph and I are probably pretty far into I Nirvana Initiative, so we might be done by the time this recording's done. We don't know. Anyways, um, so yeah, Crimson, where can the lovely people find you, our dear friend and special guest? Thanks for joining us for this one. Oh, thank you for having me. I guess you can find me on Twitter. My at is Crimson underscore Echidna. Tweet a lot about anime, FGC stuff. And I will sometimes repost the memes that I troll the Dubtop Discord with over there. All my Photoshop. You, I will sometimes also ask you for cursed favors to make things a reality. And it's like, I appreciate you for making this cursed thing a reality. It's like, yeah, you're like, yeah, no problem, man. Oh, yeah, no problem. But yep, after this, I'm just going back under my bridge until I get called again. Mm-hmm. And Amon, where can the lovely people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at AmonDuelUS, uh, where I talk about movies and comic books and stuff. I also do a stream. I stream on Tuesday nights. Uh, I am currently streaming Paradise Killer, which answers the burning question, what if Danganronpa was British and the main character had the general realization of, wait a minute, are we the baddies? Uh, and a lot of other things. And it's all set to a nice, shiny city pop soundtrack. So you can check that out. Mm-hmm. And I also have a dusty... Uh, I was going to say, it's tradition at this point when you're on an episode. Do you have 
a dusty old song to cap us I off. I do, and uh, I, I, I thought long and hard about it, and I decided I'm going to tell the tale of, uh, well, this is, this is a show about two weirdos in love, so I'm going to talk about two other weirdos in love. Uh, the Ballad of Chris and Tina. Chris and Tina are two kids. Chris is from Kentucky, Tina's from California. They went to RISD College in Rhode Island where they met. Chris was in a band. Tina joined the band later. They're the rhythm section. It's very cute. In 1977, they got married. Uh, the name of the band is Talking Heads, by the way. Uh, in 1981, mm. Talking Heads was on hiatus, so they formed their own band called the Tom Tom Club. Uh, and they put out a song called Genius of Love. It's great. You've probably heard of it. If you haven't, you've definitely heard a song that samples it, at least, because people love sampling Genius of Love because it sounds amazing. Uh, and uh, I thought of that because uh, sometime recently Chris France actually put out a memoir uh, about the two of them called Remain in Love, and I thought that was very charming. Aww. They're still married. They live that in Connecticut. <laughs> oh, wow. No shit. Yeah, they're still going strong. It's very good. That'd be great. That's great. I like them. Good for, good for them. Good for them. So uh, go go and, listen to that and the rest of the Tom, first Tom Tom Club album. It's a good time. And with that, uh, that about does it. Uh, the shenanigans must end. This overactive imagination must be put to bed before we start having more overreactive imaginations where it's like, oh no! What if we've secretly been using this podcast all along to subliminally give you messages and telling you things about what we think and are forcing our opinions to be in your brain and we're turning you into mindless slaves to our podcast whims and bracing you for the uh, thingy. Oh, that's a bit silly now, isn't it? <laughs> I fucking love camping. Dude, camping's really fucking good. Oh no! Oh no, the subliminal message has started! Oh no! Good night. <laughs>